Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Explaining History podcast, and this episode I'm going to look at the uh, absence of Russia, uh, or the uh, new Bolshevik state that was being uh, created in Russia in 1919. I'm going to look at the absence of that from the Paris Peace Conference, and the significance uh, that that has. The uh, most important missing great power in uh, 1919, uh, to be absent from uh, the conference. In 1914, it had probably been the intervention of Russia in the First World War, opening up the Eastern Front, that kept the uh, Western Allies uh, from defeat uh, on the Western Front. Had Germany been able to attack on one front, there is almost no doubt that the British would have been swept back into the sea and France, Paris would have fallen within uh, a matter of weeks. So depending on which way you look at it, um, France, uh, Russia's intervention uh, was either the, uh, the thing that kept the Allies from defeat or something that prolonged um, a wholly unnecessary war uh, for four years. Russia's capacity throughout the years 1914 to 1917 to absorb terrific losses uh, finally cracks in 1917 in February and then by March 1918 a new Bolshevik government is agreeing terms with uh, Germany. Between February 1917 and January 1919 uh, Russia had transitioned between uh, an autocracy under Tsar Nicholas II to a, a fledgling liberal democracy under the provisional government, to uh, the revolutionary dictatorship of the Bolsheviks, who were um, obscure and unknown to most of the population, and definitely an unknown quantity to the Allied powers. During this time, of course, the Russian Empire had begun to fragment. New states such as Poland um, and the Baltic states emerged from the Soviet Union, um, the Baltic states eventually to be reclaimed. And by the time the Allies sat down to speak to one another uh, to decide the fate of Germany, of Europe and uh, various other matters, 
at the Paris Peace Conference, there were already Allied armies in Russia. During 1918, um, as the Bolshevik government came closer and closer to an agreement with the uh, Germans, Allied troops on Russian soil who'd been uh, sent there in late 1917, as early as that in fact, um, to try to bolster support for Russia uh, against Germany to try to keep Russia in the war, um, found themselves in a position that few soldiers uh, particularly enjoy, one where mission objectives change halfway through the mission. The uh, task of destroying the Bolsheviks um, and their regime and aiding the White Armies now became a more significant role uh, than keeping uh, Russia in the war, though their one objective would aid the other. Of course, the problem here was not so much the task of defeating the Red Army, but enabling the White Army to win. Uh, a mixture of uh, old Tsarist officers, nationalist ultras, um, social revolutionaries, uh, Ukrainian nationalists, uh, the odd um, of former provisional government liberal, uh, all mixed together, um, all mutually suspicious of one another, without much of a, a wide base of support, with no agenda about how to redistribute land to the peasants and thus in doing so get most of the peasant population on the side. Ultimately, all the white armies can offer is more of the same business as usual and the same level of generally shoddy treatment to ordinary Russians that the upper classes had doled out generation on generation. This is not an attractive sell, and the fact that they were helped by foreign powers enabled the Bolsheviks to appeal to something of a, a nationalistic and patriotic sentiment, um, uh, indicating that they were kind of an expression of popular will, which certainly they were not. By 1919, Russia is in a highly chaotic state, and it took um, something of a, an expert Russophile to be able to make much head or tail of the various competing factions and alliances. The idea that it was uh, simply a, a binary civil war between uh, old Tsarists and new Bolsheviks really ignores the complexity of the situation. There were very few people on the ground in Russia who could make sense of the situation, and even fewer in Paris, while the peacemakers gathered to decide um, what to do with Europe. In his Economic Consequences of the Peace, John Maynard Keynes was scathing about the inability or the uh, refusal of European uh, leaders to do anything to try to bring Russia in back into the international system, back into the kind of family of nations, so to speak. Uh, instead, he said, you know, the focus of punishing Germany was a, a real shot in the foot um, for Europe because it meant that there were so many more important matters that were not being addressed. And certainly um, the creation of a pariah state in Germany and a second one in the guise of the new Soviet Union did very little to stabilise Europe in the interwar years. 
Instead, the peacemakers in Paris were bombarded by uh, almost endless horror stories of mutinous sailors, of murdered aristocrats, of a czar gunned down, and of peasants taking out bloody retribution on the landowners. These stories are all, by and large, true as well. Uh, Lloyd George said, We were, in fact, never dealing with ascertained or perhaps even ascertainable facts. Russia was a jungle in which no one could say what was within a few yards of him. Um, as we've said before, um, Lloyd George had an appalling grasp of geography. Um, the parts of the Middle East that he had his eyes set on, he had very little idea roughly where they were. So his ability to know uh, much about Russia was uh, pretty slim. Though then again, the uh, delegation, the British Empire delegation, um, was there for that very reason, to present him with maps and information before he spoke. I get the sense, by reading uh, about the peacemakers, that Russia was a problem they could be doing without, and it suited them, um, given their various agendas, to ignore Russia uh, and to hope that the, the problem of Russia would somehow go away. Diplomats have been withdrawn from Russia in part because of the uh, nature of the new regime which uh, the British, the Americans, uh, the French and others did not wish to recognise or acknowledge as legitimate but also because of the sheer danger of, uh, the, of the country. Uh, land routes uh, were impassable, railways were cut um, telegraphs took um, a long, long period of time um, to uh, get through, if they got through uh, at all. Um, and the only method of, the only reliable method of getting information in and out of the country or in and out or back and forth to the regime anyway was via Stockholm, where the uh, only uh, Bolsheviks. A foreign uh, delegate and representative uh, could be found. So there was uh, very little contact with Russia and there was also a big question over the legality uh, of uh, inviting Russia to the conference. Certainly it was the view of Clemenceau uh, that the Russians had betrayed the Allied cause uh, Clemenceau, looking at it from a uh, French point of view, believed that the decision to leave the war had allowed Ludendorff to throw extra divisions at the Allied powers in 1918 and had given Germany, nearly given Germany the opportunity to win the war. Lenin was seen as a, a treacherous figure who had allowed territory to pass to Germany in the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk, and uh, this also enabled Germany to uh, exploit the resources of Russia in order to continue fighting. And this, in the eyes of Clemenceau, meant that the Allies had no obligations to Russia, particularly obligations in the Near East and as we know the uh, British and the French were looking at carving up what remained of the Ottoman Empire and there were aspects of the Ottoman Empire that the uh, Tsarist Russia had had their eyes on in 1914 
um, the Dardanelles and the Bosphorus, the straits that lead between the Mediterranean and the Black Sea, for example. Um, Russia, um, on paper, it was still allied to the Western Allies, and since the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk had been renounced um, in 1918, uh, when an armistice was made with the Western Allies, in theory, legally, that reignited the, st- the state of war between Germany and Russia. And the fact that there was an empty chair at the table meant that there were lots of issues that couldn't be fully resolved. Obviously, if you uh, go to the decades before the First World War, at most of the major conferences from between 1815 and 1914, Russia had had a presence. Territorial questions that pertain to Romania, Finland, Poland, the Baltic states, to Turkey, to Persia, and to Central Asia. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All came up and needed to have Russian input, understanding Russian intentions and what Russia's um, still formidable uh, military potential was. Given regarding these uh, areas... Uh, regarding even um, Manchuria, um, which was a kind of a crossroads for Japan, Russia and China, was was essential. In the eyes of some of the delegates, the fear of Bolshevism defined the Paris Peace Conference. The race to rapidly create a new European order before it could be uh, swept away by communism and by revolution, and revolutions are obviously in places such as Bavaria and Hungary throughout 1919 are breaking out. Um, the spectre of, of Bolshevism um, meant that it was, whilst not being directly addressed at, this, at the conference, it seems to kind of colour uh, many of the decisions made there. One only needs to look at the degree of um, social turmoil 
in Britain at the time, where you have everything from soldiers uh, mutinying in order in order to demand to be go to be sent home, to a policeman's strike, to fire brigade strikes, um, and the threat of industrial action and possibly even a general strike in in nineteen nineteen, uh, the one of the key motivators in nineteen eighteen of offering uh, the universal male franchise and a, and a to some limited female franchise was the threat of revolution every time the British ruling classes have felt that revolution is close at hand they have extended the franchise throughout the 19th century and uh, absorbed revolutionary tensions. Now it can be argued that in most instances British soldiers mutinying, um, the threat of a, a workers and soldiers revolution in Germany, that these things were caused by local circumstances and indeed they were. There were British soldiers uh, demanding not to be sent to Russia or to Ireland and um, German soldiers and workers uh, protesting uh, about the almost famine conditions in Germany. But the language of the Russian Revolution really uh, is, helps to articulate these protests. Uh, there, were, um, so there was widespread knowledge of the development of a workers' state and uh, despite all the uh, atrocities and the terror and the civil war that went with this, it was widely looked upon in working class circles across Europe, uh, America and Great Britain as being an exciting and important moment for working people everywhere. In 1918, it was the refusal of dock workers to load munitions onto the ship the Jolly George um, destined for Russia that uh, led the uh, wartime coalition government uh, and uh, the king uh, to decline the, uh, op the opportunity of the Romanov family coming to uh, seek refuge in Great Britain, and uh, this in part sealed their fate. Russian borderlands, um, such as the province of uh, Bessarabia, um, or the disputed territory of the Ukraine, could be easily revised by powers that claimed that they were engaging in an anti-communist crusade, territories that had been um, part of the Russian Empire could now be seized. And as I mentioned in a, a previous podcast uh, a few weeks ago, whilst the mapmakers at the Paris Peace Conference were drawing up new boundaries and new borders across Europe, or attempting to, the real uh, development of new states was happening on the ground. There were nation builders using um, military power to uh, seize and annex territory uh, and then presenting these new realities to the peacemakers at Versailles, who then had little choice but to uh, endorse them. The uh, spectre of communism was obviously very useful in providing justifications for this. Winston Churchill, the Secretary of State for War, said in 1919, of all the tyrannies in history, 
The Bolshevik tyranny is the worst, the most destructive, the most de degrading. However, Churchill's problem, and he would face this problem in the late 1930s as well, is that he was frequently uh, derided by parliamentarians as being um, on the wrong side of history or given to bombast and uh, spectacle. Um, he had made so a series of uh, significant errors during the war, particularly the Gallipoli campaign. And the memory of Gallipoli hung over him and he stood in, in rather its shadow. This uh, combined with the uh, shrill language he was given to use uh, meant that he was very often not listened to or taken seriously. Civilization, he said in November 1918, is being completely extinguished over gigantic areas, while Bolsheviks hop and caper like troops of ferocious baboons amid the ruins of cities and the corpses of their victims. There were many Western liberals in uh, 1919 who thought that it would take time to get a full measure of the Bolsheviks, and that in the meantime uh, they may well prove to be uh, useful and, and reliable. Them, a society um, might emerge in Russia along the lines which uh, Western liberals uh, rather thought would, would be good. This view, by the way, persists and persists. You even have in the 1930s Roosevelt um, having uh, similar views that one that once the kind of the mayhem of Stalinism settled down, that a, a mature society, perhaps even a democratic society might emerge, or at least um, a quasi-democratic republic might emerge. After all, there was all sorts of um, embarrassment and uh, deep unease amongst the, the British and French in 1914, being allied with the autocratic um, absolutist monarchy of Tsarist Russia. Lloyd George was ecstatic when the February Revolution happened, and the Tsar was overthrown, and the view that the British Liberal and Conservative parties had in general was that they were the uh, victims of their own folly. They, uh, 1918 is the only time, really, that Britain, America and France begin to talk un in a united way uh, in the language of democracy and rights. Before that, there's no such rhetoric, and it's only because of the introduction of America, a liberal democracy, into the war, and the transition of um, Russia from an autocracy to hopefully a fledgling liberal democracy that makes any of this position have any coherence or make any sense at all. And there was something to be said for the fact that both fr modern France and the United States were the product of revolutions. Wilson, showing spectacular naivety, initially thought that the Bolsheviks were something akin to America's progressives, that they were um, about uh, curbing uh, business uh, strength, business power in politics, um, and about limiting the role of big government in people's lives, and giving the individual a greater autonomy and freedom. The violence of it, the uh, confiscation of property, uh, the mass killing, um, Wilson thought should be condemned. But he said that you know, there were aspects of, of 
their doctrine that had been really the result of kind of rapacious capitalism anyway, were it not for um, Russia's um, industrialist um, robber barons and the predations of the upper classes, well, there'd be no need for all this unpleasantness. The, um, this, is, this is what happens when the rights of workers are disregarded. But rather like um, Roosevelt, a generation after him, it looks like Wilson thought that this would all settle down in the long run. Both were more concerned about unrest in Western societies, uh, both Wilson and Lloyd George, that is, and both believed uh, that if these, if the, the, the root causes of the attraction of Bolshevism were addressed, then uh, there would be a, uh, a little chance of Bolshevism penetrating Western Europe or America. And it's something of this thought, really, continues throughout the remainder of the 20th century, uh, there is uh, much evidence to suggest that the motivation for the development of Western welfare states, of um, mixed economies, uh, later on commitments to full employment and social reform in general, was born of an understanding that there were other options that populations could take if they weren't satisfied with the one on offer. As Wilson put it when he was discussing the uh, inequalities in America, seeds need soil, and the Bolshevik seeds found the soil already prepared for them. Lloyd George said that he would like to have seen the Russians at the conference. He believed that Russian soldiers had fought very bravely in the war and they had been very badly let down by their leadership. But also, he knew that countries with claims on Russian territory were there. Lloyd George wasn't simply being sentimental. He knew that in order to prevent wars in the future, or to make them less likely, that arbitrage needed to happen. Countries with claims on Russian territory um, would have to uh, fight for that territory once again very soon when Russia got back on its feet, because Russia would see the decision to cede territory to its neighbours as illegitimate as surely it would be, and it would seek to return these territories using military force. So in the interests of long-term stability, Russia needed to be at the table. Now, in a later podcast this week, I'm going to start looking at the methods in which uh, the Allied powers engage to try to get Russia unsuccessfully to the table. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this. Thanks very much. And if you can give us a good review on iTunes, that would be greatly appreciated. All the best. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.